You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. Today, we have members of the leadership team from the St. Thomas More Chapel on the campus of Yale University in Connecticut. And I'm so grateful to Carrie Robinson for helping us to connect with them. They're doing some tremendous work reaching out to students through social media, through Zoom, through a variety of platforms, online masses that you're going to hear about in today's episode. Again, part of our commitment here at Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast, is to bring you in this current COVID-19 crisis, the very best practices that we're seeing out there in the field. And I'm so grateful to all of you who have been hitting me up on social media with your best practices. And we're going to do our best to get as many of you on the show as we possibly can. But today we're going to focus on campus ministry at uh, Yale University. And so without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you here on our podcast today. We've gathered a great team here with members of the St. Thomas More Chapel leadership team, and we're here talking about, we want to learn more about uh, what happens at the St. Thomas More Chapel and the Yale University campus, as well as kind of some of the exciting ways in which you are connecting with students and alums and visitors to the St. Thomas More Chapel during this COVID-19 crisis. And I appreciate you uh, offering to be on our show today. And so let me just kind of go around the table here. We have a great panel of folks from the leadership team joining us. First, Father Ryan Lerner, the chaplain of the chapel. Welcome, Father. Uh, thank you, Jim. Happy to be here. We're also here with Sister Jen Schaff, the assistant chaplain for the chapel. Welcome, Sister. Great. Thanks for being here. And Robin McShane, the director of communications. Welcome, Robin. Thank you for having me. And last but not least, Joe Connolly. Uh, you are the relatively new executive director for the chapel. Thanks for bringing us all together today, Joe. Very glad to be here, Jim. Thanks for having us. And so let's start. Father Ryan, why don't we start with you? For our listeners who are not familiar with the St. Thomas More Chapel and the way that you serve the needs of the students on campus, and maybe a little bit of the history. Father Ryan, can you tee us up a little bit with a little bit about your mission on the Yale University campus? Sure. So our, our chapel was uh, built in 1938 by Father T. and Riggs. He was a priest of the Archdiocese of Hartford. And at 34 years old, as a newly ordained priest in 1922, is when he began his ministry here to the Yale community. He felt that it was really important that the students, the faculty, the community of Yale University needed a ministry focused on them, the challenges they were facing, and the challenges of the time. So in 1938, he pulled together the, the money and the support to build this chapel, St. Thomas More House, which was the residence in the chapel at that time. Now here we are at this point, 82 years later. And we now have St. Thomas More Chapel, the chaplain's residence, and then the Thomas E. Golden Center, which was built in 2006, designed with my immediate predecessor, uh, Father Bob Boulogne, who is the seventh chaplain here, here for 25 years. And he and Cesar Pelli, a great architecture from and dean of the Yale School of Architecture at the time. He recently, uh, died, recently died this summer, but the two designed this center. And so... Uh, it's a great place to bring together the, not only the Catholic students, but our doors are wide open to the diversity of students and their needs uh, all over the university. We believe that what we're about through study, through prayer, and through faith and action, that it's incumbent upon us to help students to grow in their faith. This is the words of T. Loris and Riggs, that students would grow in their faith 
rather than merely keep it, to learn more and more of the significance of their Catholic heritage, to look upon their religious education, not as completed by their learning of their childhood's catechism, but as never-ending, calling for special effort while they're developing intellectually in other ways. So great challenge and special gift and blessing for us to minister to Yale students who are going to impact, you know, really the world in all kinds of fields and, and please God be, be leaders and servants in our church. Beautiful, Father. And maybe tell us a little bit about what is your, what's a typical day like when things are active there on campus? Some of the, um, some of the ways in which you interact with the students. Sure, gosh. And that's, uh, you know, as soon as you ask that question, my, you know, I get a lump in my throat because I'm looking out, you know, on a weekday, the first day back from spring break. And normally here on Park Street, it would be bustling. You know, as I said, our, sure. our doors are always open. So we have students coming in and out throughout the day either to study in our library or eat the snacks and drink the coffee in our cafeteria. But we also have programming really around the clock. So my job as priest chaplain certainly is to support and work with my four assistant chaplains. We have four assistant chaplains to provide programming that is, you know, again, about study or deepening the spiritual life of our students or cultivating in them a sense of service to the community and to the church and social interaction. You know, we have fun as well, as well as, you know, day-to-day string of meetings with pastoral counseling, having a liturgical schedule, celebrating Mass, hearing confessions, those kinds of things. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Sister Jen, you're the assistant chaplain uh, at the St. Thomas More Chapel. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where things are are at today as far as some of the services and and missions uh, that you offer to to the students? Sure. So the landscape of Yale has changed greatly over the last few weeks, as Father Ryan alluded to. Um, the students were notified during the middle of spring break that undergrads needed to go home and to take all online classes at that point. A lot of our grad students are still actually around in town because this is their home for the time that they're studying at Yale. They're also taking online classes. A few are working in labs, but they started to shut those down as well. And then some are working in different clinical settings. But I think at this point, a lot of those have also been, the students have been asked to not be in clinicals, at least for the short term, to for their own safety. So we've shifted to mostly having online gatherings. We started with having an, a virtual brunch, which was a way of gathering students together. And so via Zoom, they bring their cup of coffee and we check in with them after our 10 a.m. live streamed mass. They're probably up earlier than they would normally be on a Sunday morning because most of them come to a 10 p.m. mass or 5 p.m. mass on a typical Sunday. But since they can sleep in and show up in their pajamas, they still join in for that. We also have small church communities, which are small groups that meet to talk about the readings for the coming Sunday and really reflect on those and how they apply to their lives. Most of those have gone online as well. So they're also meeting virtually. A couple of them are having conference calls and others are having video conference calls. So they're still trying to stay connected. Our student leadership teams are still meeting. And I think it's been really important to hear from them how much community is needed, especially during this time. So they can talk on computers and they can study on their own, but they're still really needing that personal connection with each other. And I think with the chaplains as a way of supporting they're also, I think, looking for ways to pray together and to pray individually. So as things are posted online, they're joining in with those or have committed to do different actions during this time as well. So a lot has changed, but we're also trying to keep many things as normal as possible. Just as they're returning back to classes, they're still on a normal class schedule, even though they're taking those classes from their living rooms or bedrooms. 
still trying to offer many of the programs we normally would. And then they're coming up with some new creative things too. So having movie nights together on Netflix and sharing comments while they're doing that. So again, in separate spaces, but having ways of building community together. Well, and they're certainly all much uh, more adept at uh, social media and those types of uh, ways of connecting than than those of us who are not of that generation. So that's to their strength and to their credit. That's that's great to hear, sister. You know, speaking of social media and, and some of the creative ways in which the chapel has been reaching out to your students, Robin, you're the director of communications. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're seeing on social media and, and the other ways in which the chapel has been reaching out to the students. Well, one of the biggest things is um, our live stream only Sunday masses, which we started as of March 15th. And we used our social media and Flocknote, which is the technology we use to communicate with our parish community to get the word out. Our first week, I looked at the numbers and we saw that we had 600 viewers by week two which was last weekend, we had over 1,200 viewers. That's great. Clearly, they're finding us, which is nice. We, we haven't had to try too, too hard. I think that we have a really nice community, and they are very excited about this opportunity and are sharing with their friends. So it's growing exponentially. I can't wait to see what this week is going to show up in the numbers. That's great. Hey, how does that, uh, how does that 1,200 number compare to a normal Sunday Mass attendance uh, at the 10 or the 5 o'clock Masses? Father or sister, maybe you could answer that. Sure. Yeah, normally uh, we have probably, I think we seat about 250 to 300 people and our chapel is full, almost at all three Masses. At 10 a.m. and Mass, there's usually standing room as well. and We have overflow in our lecture hall. So probably close to 400, 450 people, I think, for the 10 a.m. Mass, 5 p.m., 200, 300, uh, 10 p.m., a little bit smaller. Those are the devotees for that late night, yeah. last chance, very, very last chance Mass. So, yeah. I mean, sister, do those numbers, are those about right? Yeah, I usually guess around 350, 400 for 10 a.m., 250 for 5 p.m., and 150 for 10 p.m. on a normal Sunday. Wow. So right. arguably, you could say you're actually reaching more people online than you were in person before, at least <laughs> virtually speaking. That's great. All those numbers are also just the computer numbers. So I know many of our students are actually watching with their families who wouldn't normally be attending mass with them when they're on campus. So really, the 1200 is probably a low estimate in terms of how many people are watching mass together. And I would say, too, what's awesome about this as well just receiving the responses to the Mass and everything, we've been reaching the last several years of alumni. We had someone give a screenshot of her holding her iPad with the Mass on from Mexico City. Wow. um, Which is really cool. So it's kind of bringing the community that's not just here locally and all of our students who are regularly a part of our community through the world, but also alumni and friends for basically generations that are joining us now. Incredible. uh, You're almost in many ways reaching out to the alums as well as the current students, obviously, is what you're pulling in. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. We had a wonderful email from one of our students who was in Indonesia watching us quarantined in his room because he has elderly parents living with him and he was worried about their health. So he's kind of staying in his room and he just sent us this totally heart-wrenching email saying how much he missed being with us in that seeing Father Ryan's face during Mass meant so much to him, and seeing the chapel meant so much to him. It was really, it it really made us feel like we're making a difference in people's lives by live streaming these Masses. That's beautiful. No, go ahead. 
now I'm getting, you know, kind of getting, <laughs> getting emotional thinking about this stuff. But uh, yeah. right before our 10 a.m. mass this past Sunday, literally like 10 minutes before I happened to be looking at my iPhone, not, <laughs> don't recommend it, but uh, I got an email from one of our grad students who was with us for the fall semester who is at home in Columbia and who is in, uh, involved in clinical psychology, but is preparing to be trained along with all the other professionals who you know, go out into the hospitals and care for the sick soon. And she just said, please, Father, when you pray for the doctors and nurses and medical professionals, please pray for us in places with um, scarce resources, um, you know, and things like that. So we were able to add it right into the universal prayer, literally minutes before Mass. You know, that was one of our grad students, you know, in Columbia. So it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Along those lines, many of our community members are faculty who are working in the medical school or nursing school and still working in clinicals. Right now, obviously, everybody's working overtime, too, in those fields. And so by live streaming mass, they can watch it at a time when they're free instead of having to be there at 10 a.m., which they may or may not be able to at this point in their lives with everything being needed and demanded upon our medical professionals. You know, I, I've just heard uh, around different dioceses and around the country that uh, it's inspiring that so many of the faithful are now so hungry for the Eucharist and hungry for Mass, maybe in a way that they haven't before in their lifetime, now that we're denied that opportunity in a personal way on, on a week-to-week basis. Are you seeing that? Are you hearing that a little bit from the student body and maybe from some of the alums and faculty who normally attend Mass? There was definitely disappointment from students when they found out that we weren't having mass in person. And obviously, they conveyed that they understood completely why they couldn't be there. But that aspect of being able to be together in community and receiving the Eucharist is such a part of their experience that it really does feel like a huge Lenten sacrifice for them right now. It's beautiful. So, Joe Connolly, I want to bring you uh, into this conversation here. Uh, You're a relatively new executive director, started with the chapel in uh, in November. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your role and what you're seeing, uh, what you've seen over the last few months? Certainly, it's a very unusual first few months of being on the job here. But tell us a little bit about your role, Joe. Sure, Jim. Well, as you said, I've been on board since November, and my role is really to, uh, you know, work very closely with Father Ryan in a co-leadership model to to help lead the, the activities of the chapel and the and the ministry. And uh, while Father Ryan has direct responsibility for the chaplaincy staff, um, I work very closely with our professional and administrative staff, um, all the people that help make things go. So we've got different functions, you know, Robin, who's a member of our team, but we have other professionals in the area of facilities and finance and development and so on, all helping to make the, the organization go. And it's been a terrific uh, start in the relationships between, you know, the chaplaincy staff and the professional staff have been terrific in, uh, I think we're off to, off to a decent start, um, but but to your point, it's been uh, you know it, it's been a, a challenge recently. One of the main things that I started off with um, working closely with our board of directors, which is another important aspect of my role, um, was to embark upon a strategic planning process. And we were you know several months into it and making really good progress. But I think that what this pandemic experience has done is really helped to bring into, you know, sharp focus what some of the real priorities of what we are all about. And you know, the conversation has already touched on this, but the fact that the concept of the, you know, the Eucharist and the liturgy and sacraments and the community building are, are so central to everything we do. And I just think it's interesting to put it in the broader context of the, you know, as we were thinking about our future, you know, this is certainly um, indicating in a very clear way 
what some of the most essential things that we do are. And so as we were, uh, as we were, as I did a little bit of research and we were talking before the interview, you were explaining that the St. Thomas More Chapel is actually a separate 501c3 organization that serves the students here on the Yale University campus. So that's, that's interesting. I, I would imagine uh, you have a pretty healthy annual fund and uh, fundraising is also very much a part of your role. It is. Um, as I said, we're, we, um, we do have a, a development function. We, the, the chapel is very blessed that we, you know, we've had some great people. Um, um, Father Ryan alluded to um, Father Bob Boulogne, who um, was with us when preceded Father Ryan. Father uh, Bob and one of his professional counterparts, Carrie Robinson, did just a tremendous job of building a strong financial base from what, for the, opera, the chapel to operate from. And it's certainly, I know that all of us consider it very uh, much a part of our responsibility to, to build upon that legacy and carry it forward. Uh, so, yeah, so the development is going to be a very important part of what we do to advance our mission. So um, knowing that you guys, uh, this is kind of a question for the group, knowing that uh, I assume that uh, classes will be virtual for the remainder of the semester. Is that true at Yale as well? Yes. Yeah. How do you see the rest of the year kind of playing out as far as your services to the students? Or are you still kind of taking this kind of a week at a time like many of us are since we're still very much in the uncertainty of uh, of this current situation? You know, just kind of waiting to hear when the it'll be lifted. I've heard the president wants, as of today anyway, the president wants us all back in, in church by Easter Sunday. But others, experts are saying probably beyond that. So how do you see kind of the rest of the year playing out? Uh, at least from your perspective on, of the campus? We find ourselves in a very unique position because we've got different communities that we are part of. So clearly we're a part of the Yale community. And from that perspective, Yale has already announced that students will not be returning to the campus during the spring semester. So we know that that extends out through May. But then, of course, we're also part of the New Haven community, which is part of Connecticut. And we've got, you know, different mandates and restrictions that are placed on us from our governor. And so that's a, a different set of information that we have to factor in. And then, of course, it's happening nationally and in the world all around us impact, too. So when we look at all three of those, you know, sometimes they're in perfect alignment. Sometimes there's uh, there's not the same degree of alignment. So we're doing the best we can to figure out what all three of those do, uh, what all three of those mean and how it us. I would also simply add in there, since um, you mentioned the president having us all back in mass on Easter Sunday, we follow our lead to, uh, to liturgically from the archdiocese, the archbishop and the archdiocese of Hartford. We basically said there, there will be no public masses until through April 30th. You know, and, we, and we've seen how that, again, with the evolving picture of, of the virus and, and the response, you know, that, that even may well change. You sure, know? sure. But I would say, as Sister Jen also mentioned earlier, all of our existing programs, to the extent that we can, we immediately tried to switch online and use social media platforms like Zoom conferencing and Instagram and things like that. So the extent to which we can be on top of that and also be proactive and come together with a plan, the kind of now changing picture of what our, our students and various other stakeholders, community members, faculty members, their needs are, mm -hmm. you know. I think what Father Ryan said was exactly true. So we're trying to keep programs going as much as possible and create new programs as we can. It's also at this point probably just going to take a lot of outreach to different constituents, especially for pastoral care right now. So students just found out that commencement isn't going to happen on campus in May. And so looking ahead to that, what do we do to still celebrate the fact that many of our students are graduating who've been with us for four years or seven or eight years if they're a PhD students. So we're still looking ahead to figure out how we can have things that are worth celebrating and ways to celebrate with them, even if they may not be on campus. 
we also do have a soup kitchen that we are keeping going as much as possible. So for the next month, we'll at least be serving the community that way too. So as you look at the summer, are there any uh, any summer activities that you're still hopeful may still happen, or is there still a bit of a question mark on those? My wish would be that we have some assurance over the course of the summer that our, the fall is going to look a little bit more like what we expect it to look like. Sure. And, you know, and, and we could use that time to sort of gear up. I think there's a growing consensus that whatever um, really happens when this pandemic, you know, um, subsides, there are probably going to be, you know, some permanent changes and expectations just to the landscape and the, that we all operate in. So uh, typically summer is a great time to, to plan and look ahead to the beginning of the academic year. While it still is a question mark, like I said, it'd be wonderful to know that, yeah, hey, students are going to be coming back to campus in fall and, and what are we going to do to serve them in that capacity? So we'll, we'll see what the summer brings. Sure. So let me just throw this out to the group and anybody feel free to jump in. So if there's another uh, campus ministry group listening to you guys, and I'm sure that you all network and talk to each other about best practices and what you're doing now, and what would you recommend to a campus ministry office that is looking to reach out to students or connect with alums, or how are you finding success uh, in this current environment? You've already mentioned some of the ways, but uh, any others that you want to mention? A lot of it really at this point is both individual outreach as well as group outreach. So Father Ryan and I just sent a letter to the members of our community who are working in healthcare and just letting them know that we're caring about them. And as people have reached out to us, just being very responsive as quickly as possible, letting them know that we're still there for them. And I think that's really something that people need to know that, that, that their support systems aren't going away, even if they physically aren't here or if they physically can't be near us because of the different new policies in place. So really just letting people know that we are still available. There is actually shortly a conversation happening with the Catholic Campus Ministry Association. So they've been holding weekly webinars for members as well to be able to have conversations about what works for ministry in this time, what doesn't work for ministry. And people are really just figuring out as we go along what platforms work the best for having these online conversations. What would you do differently? How do you live stream when you may only have a phone and about $10 in your budget right now? So (laughs) all of these things are being figured out as we go along. One thing that I found important. So on the eve of our first live stream mass is when the whole Yale community received the, the one of the communications from President Peter Salovey, president here at Yale, basically stating that all students are to remain where they are, remain home, and, and that all of the classes be online so they would not return to Yale for, for the semester. That was like on seven o'clock, eight o'clock the night before this live stream mass. So I felt that I needed to make sure not only I would mention the humbly, but start right there. So opening remarks before the mass. I think the important thing about pastoral care and ministry in general is to name the pain, name where people are at, bring it right out into the open and acknowledge it, um, recognize that, okay, this is this is where we, we are. This is this is the reality right now in this moment. Let's name it um, and let's see where is where is Christ, where is where is the grace in this. One thing I've been meditating a lot on, too, is just really what it means to be the body of Christ, especially when the lay faithful are having to fast from it. That the body of Christ, on one hand, yes, is in sacramental communion, but also the body of Christ is each and every one of us and how these, again, these social media platforms and live stream makes us realize just how close we really are and how we can still be the body of Christ. And we're called to live that identity no matter where we are, what we're doing in every circumstance. 
And one thing that came to my mind is that, you know, social distancing is not going to prevent Christ from getting to and ministering, ministering to his people. You know, God is with us. So making sure we all realize that and, 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 and live into that reality, that we are standing in grace, that we are led by hope, and that hope does not disappoint. For me personally, too, it's just relying on the expertise of others. You know, my team here, I don't know where I would be, uh, in this, especially when it comes to social media and stuff. It's kind of new for me, a lot of these things. I mean, you... <laughs> it took us 10 minutes to get started so I had to learn a new <laughs> platform with which to communicate with. So the extent to which we can rely on each other and work together and uh, and be close as close as we can to our people without being physically present to them, you know? Well said, Father Ryan. <laughs> I agree. Well, oh, that's a that's a great way for us to wrap up. Do you have any other anybody have any other thoughts uh, to kind of close up our conversation here? This was a this was very informative and uh Congratulations to all of you on on the ways in which you're reaching out to your students and keeping Christ alive on the Yale University campus and clearly well beyond the campus today through social media and through uh, the internet and, and other means. Well, thank you, Jim. Thanks for being on the show today. God bless. God thank bless. you. Thank you. You too. I want to thank Father Ryan, Sister Jen, Joe Connolly, and Robin McShane for being on our show today. It was a great conversation, a very talented group of uh, individuals serving the needs of Yale University. Clearly a lot of energy, a lot of passion and compassion for uh, the students and the current predicament they find themselves in. It was just very moving to me to see how just emotional and how connected Father Ryan is to the needs of his students and all of the team members, really. It's a special team out there at uh, St. Thomas More Chapel. And again, thanks for being on our show this week. Well, that's our show. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and its Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm, and we've been advising nonprofits and corporations for over 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Again, stay well, be healthy. We're praying for you. And thanks again for all you're doing to advance the mission of our church. God bless.